Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series called Love Your Dot, Dot, Dot. And so as we've been in this series, we have been filling in the blanks on that. We began with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We moved to love uh, others, like love one another and the others. We've talked about loving our neighbor. We've talked about loving our story. And then last week, we talked about love your city. And I want to backcast to that because there was two things that we focused on last week, that if you and I are going to love our city, we need to be where we are on purpose. There needs to be an intentionality to the way that we're living, and we need to be in that place with purpose. So living life on purpose, intentionally where you are, and then having a purpose of going about and living your life. And in that, we talked about those as kind of focus points, as kind of anchor points for you and I, maybe starting points for this, but we haven't talked about really the how do you actually do that in a practical way. And when I first moved to Colorado, uh, I was a youth pastor, I was a high school football coach, and a high school English teacher in the front range, and I moved to a little community called Lyons, Colorado. Uh, It's more of a smaller rural community nestled up against the mountains. It's a pretty eclectic community, and it has, you know, all of the uh, idiosyncrasies of small communities. Uh, And in that place, uh, there was a lot of people who felt like we talked about last week, uh, and I found that everywhere that I go, that there are people who think, I just can't wait to get out of this place. And every place that I've been, I've heard people say that, which means everybody everywhere is trying to get somewhere else. And so we talked about being on purpose where you are and living with purpose. But there was one individual in my time uh, pastoring and coaching in that community who sticks out to me as somebody who actually loved where he was. Like he loved Lions. He loved Lions High School. He loved playing football, and he was just, he, he was all about it, like lions forever, right? And his uh, 18th birthday came, and he was a senior in high school, and so he decided that he was going to like show his unending, undying love for his community, and you might be anticipating even where this is going already, and so he did that by going out, and he got a tattoo, Like that, how is he going to love his city? I'm going to get tatted, man. So he gets a tattoo. The tattoo is basically the letter from the letterman's jacket, just like now on his body. He never has to take the jacket off. And so his, how am I going to love this city? How am I going to profess love for this place? Like he just went out and got tatted. And I'm just going to suggest to you there are simpler, more practical, and effective ways to love your community. And some of you are like, Pastor, this should have been a two-part sermon last week because in just the last week, like I've got like Sterling forever tatted across my chest. And you just, you went too fast for me and I apologize for that. But we, we can agree with kind of our last, last week's thoughts. You know, we can unpack uh, a design for our life from God's word that says that wherever he has us planted, we should, we should be there intentionally. And we can agree with We should be living our life with purpose, but we can also end up scratching our heads saying, I don't really know what that purpose is, or I'm not sure how to walk that out. And so that gives us the time this week to talk about the practical, simple steps that you and I can take. We can can struggle at times to know how best to practically and impactfully love where we're at. Um, But we're going to look at a template from Scripture 
this morning that gives us some very simple starting points. So we're not going to come out with an exhaustive list. Uh, if, if, if you're kind of task-oriented and you love lists, you'll have a few things that are actionable this week, but they're not the only ways that these things can be expressed. But they are, I think, very, very helpful. They're very, very simple. And you, listen, this week you can take a small, simple step towards loving this community and being a part of a move of God in this place, which I would believe is your earnest desire, even if you have not discovered that yet. But if you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open up your Bible app and let's prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. Lord, we take a moment to pause and ask that you would help us to be receptive to your word. Lord, we know that you love this community. Lord, our friends joining us online, wherever they are, we know Without a doubt, you love those communities. Lord, you love the people in this community. Lord, you love the people in this gathering. You love the person next to us. And so, Lord, give us hearts for those things as well, that we would have a care and a love and a compassion in equal measure of your heart for those things. Help us to discover those. Be open to your word today, as Jesus would describe it, to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And then, Lord, give us the courage and the leading of your spirit to put it into practice, even simple things, this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and open up your Bible to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9, and we're going to just kind of camp out in those verses for most of this morning. We'll have a couple other places in Scripture that are going to correlate our ideas, but for the most part, we're just going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 10. This morning, and the reason why we're going to be looking at this is it's it's a very very simple story. It's very accessible, uh, but I also see in it a template for the mission of God, a template for the way that the kingdom of God is supposed to be advanced in the world. And as we kind of unpack this, if you were uh, going to be somebody who correlated it to things that you have been taught, or if you were going to go this week and just kind of sniff it out in Scripture and go on your own discovery. Uh, of how this might be in effect. You would see that Jesus uh, demonstrates this template in the way that he goes about doing ministry and proclaiming the kingdom of God. You would see this in the way that he asked the disciples to take steps of faith and to begin taking little kind of practice missions in a sense, to go out and practice some of the things that they've been learning. You would see this template being something that you could overlay in the early church and the way that the early church goes about beginning to minister one to another and to impact the community. You would certainly see it in the life of Paul and some of the other apostles as they're going and uh, expanding the mission of God. And if you were going to think of this template in terms of what you would normally think of short-term missions trips, it completely overlays that as well. But even though it would be expressed in all of maybe those simple ways, it is a very uh, universally applicable design. That there's some things in here that are just very simple steps that whether you've lived in this community for 30 years and you're just discovering that you have a heart for it, or whether you just are inbound into this community maybe to, to study or to begin a career or your family has moved, That regardless of duration and kind of the deep rootedness of your time here, this is simple and accessible for you to begin to take steps of practically loving our community in a way that encourages a move of God to be experienced by everybody within it. And what we see in Luke chapter 10 specifically is kind of like a practice run. 
And Jesus would do this on several occasions. If you're a careful reader of the Gospels, he would pull some of his disciples aside, sometimes all of the 12, sometimes just the three, on occasion just a one. But he would invite them into kind of doing some of the things that they had a chance to watch him do, to experience and be a part of things that they had heard him teach about. And so these practice runs really give us a template for some steps that we can take for you and I to move forward. And so in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9, and we're going to think of it as a template of how to love our city in very practical ways. I'll I'll pull four ideas out of that. Uh, And then we'll move on from there. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves, Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. And so Jesus is giving some instruction, and we find that this is to a larger group than just the 12. This isn't just the three or the one. It goes beyond just kind of the 12 traditionally understood apostles or disciples, and there's a larger collective because Jesus had a whole group of student followership, people who are learning and growing. And on several occasions in the gospel, he sends out just the 12, uh, the other gospel Uh, writers record that. Luke records that just in a couple chapters previous to this. But he also on this occasion takes a larger group and he sends them all out and he says, hey, I'm not going with you, right? You're going to go ahead of me to every town, every village, to the places that I'm going to go. You're going to go prepare the way for them to encounter me. And he's going to send them out to do that. And so in essence, he's sending them out in his power, in his compassion, and in his mission to go be about the things of the kingdom of God. And verse five says this, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. So Jesus is sending out a larger group and he's giving them some specific instructions. And it's more more than just showing up in the community and saying, hey, get ready, Jesus is coming, right? It's more than just like setting up the promotional razzle dazzle for the concert of Jesus to come and everybody to gather. He actually gives them significant things to do, culminating in you go and heal the sick. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going with you. I'm going to hang out back here. And there's several occasions in scripture where Jesus sends the disciples to do something, sends them on an activity, uh, and then stays behind. And I think that that's because the disciples frequently acted like toddlers. And parents of toddlers, you know sometimes mama needs a break, right? He, he would send them out. And it would be for their lesson. It would be for their good. But you see Jesus send them away kind of on like a, 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 a timeout of activity. <laughs> and then he usually retreated to pray and to rest and recover. But there's four things in this. There's four things in this that are universally applicable to the ministry of Jesus, to the way that he sent his disciples out, to the way that the early church 
functioned, and then to the missionary movement of the kingdom of God in the world at large. And in moving out and going into this, these are four things that you and I, you can apply today. You can begin to apply today to love this city. And the first one is found in verse 10, or excuse me, verse 5 and 8 of chapter 10. And I want you to look at the first two parts of this verse. Luke chapter 10, verse 5 says this, when you enter a house. And I'm just going to let it pause there for a second. Now look at verse 8. It says, when you enter a town. And this is going to seem like an overly simplistic statement to make, but I think that we need to be reminded of it. If you are going to love the place that God is placing you, you have to be present. You, you have to show up. Like what, what is in, uh, kind of inferred here is that if you are going to enter the house, you first have to show up and knock on the door. If you're going to enter the town, you have to have first come to the city limits. It is presumed that you are going to be present. It is presumed that you are going to go ahead and show up. And unfortunately, what has happened in my life and in your life and in most of the culture that we're beginning to live in is we don't have to show up in person anymore. We've become more and more impersonal. And in some ways, that has been helpful. I've had the opportunity to train leaders on other places in the world without having to leave my home. I've been able to encourage our missionaries and, and works that we're a part of on the other side of the world and not had to leave my home. So there's a great advantage to being able to be digitally present. But it is also not wholly the same. And what ends up happening is I've found that there are places in my life, and maybe this is applicable to you, where you could otherwise be present, choose not to because it's easier. See, I love the idea of digital presence to places I can't get to. It's an advantage then. But when it is an excuse for me to dip out of personal interaction, especially in the community that I live, I believe it becomes a disadvantage. Because I don't know my neighbor or my coworker. I don't interact with them, maybe on a personal level. And what I have found is that the more impersonal the exchange, the more inhumane we tend to treat others. There's things that you and I will say behind somebody's back that we would never say to their face. There's leaders that we would malign. There's ideas that we would propagate. And being able to hide behind a screen or a keyboard makes it even more safe to be unsafe in the way that you treat others in the world around you. It is different when you are present. Even when you're looking at somebody who's made a mistake, even if you're looking at somebody who's going through a tragedy, even at, like all of those things being, being very real variables to situations and interactions, when you are present with somebody, it changes. When you are face to face, it changes the exchange. 
when there is a humanness to the hurt, when there is a humanness to the opposing idea, like it, it, it just changes. And if you and I are going to love our city, if you're going to love the place that you work, if you're going to love your neighborhood, if you're, if you're going to love your church, in many ways you are going to have to find ways to be present. We, we have to show up. See, the whole point of Jesus coming to earth, the whole point of the incarnation was to be present. The Old Testament prophets even spoke of the Messiah to come, saying that he would be called Emmanuel. He would be God with us. Like Jesus could have died on the cross for your sin without being born a baby. He didn't have to live 30 years of obscurity on earth making cabinets because that was required for the sacrifice for sin. The only sacrifice he really needed to make, you want to really split religious hairs, he just needed to show up and say, you guys are sinners, I'm not, I'm going to die for you, hope you get the point, see you later. But he didn't do that. Jesus in his birth, in his incarnation, shows what it means to really humble yourself into the service of another. Jesus growing up shows us what it truly means to honor our parents. Jesus in the life that he lived gives us a tangible, physical, fleshy example of how to do it and how we are prone to error. It's like a living, fleshy theater of our need for salvation. And he did it that way because it's so accessible. But he shows us what it means to be present. And I would just encourage you, find a way to be present this week. And you can't be present everywhere all at once. You're not omnipresent. I recognize that. I'm a husband. I'm a dad of little kids that have all kinds of activities. I'm a pastor. My wife does ministry here within our church, and she's a part of ministry with our district of churches. Like, I get it. Like, we're busy. We have all kinds of things. And you can't know everybody. You can't be everywhere. You can't do all of the stuff. But I would push back and say, you can know someone, and you can go somewhere, and you can do something, even if it's singular. Find a way to be present this week. I had a dear friend who lived in this community who was very present in my life when I moved here. He was a pastor who pastored in this community for 30 years. And one of the things that I admired the most about him was that he was present in this community. And he wasn't everywhere at once. He wasn't at all of the things, but there were some things that he was really, really good at. And one of the things that I noticed early on is that he went to every Sterling High School boys basketball game. And he didn't have a kid on the team. He didn't have a kid in the school. He didn't have any tangible required obligation. He loved this community. He loved that high school. And he loved those kids. 
And one of the hardest things he had to do was to retire and to move out of this community. But I've watched him over the years. He's still on his Facebook posts about Sterling High School basketball. It's a stretch for me because I don't really care for basketball. I mean, it's pumpkin push and that's what I call it. There you go. That's just some deep-seated resentment still from being made fun of as being a soccer player when I was a kid. Like, pastors have to grow too. I'm working on it. But he, he was present. Find a way to be present. Okay, right now, you could live your whole life with your nose and your phone or your computer screen. You could do it right now. You could go home. You could lock the door. You'd never have to leave again. That's scary to me. You could order all of the things that you need brought right to your house. If you had a problem with your heating or your cooling or your plumbing or things that you actually needed on your house, you could use an automated system to schedule somebody to come and do that maintenance and you could hide in your room. You wouldn't even have to open the door. That whole transaction could be done electronically. They could be in your physical space. You'd never have to look them in the eye, speak to them by name, and you wouldn't even have to hand them a check. Like that's, how we, that, that's how our lives are structured right now. You could disappear completely and live in virtual space and never talk to another human being again and live out your existence with all of your needs met. And see, that's the temptation for us. Because people are hard. Interactions are hard. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. But here's what I know. If I don't have to look you in the eye, like I don't have to feel any love for you at all. You're a number, you're a face, you're a thing, or really you're no thing. Be present. One of the things that I have done my whole life, and it's like this silly thing, and it feels almost uh, dinosaur-like. I still, to this day, if I ever have to do a banking transaction, walk into my physical bank and go talk to the teller. I've done it my whole life. On very few occasions will I use the app to do stuff. It's not because I don't trust the app, right? I'm not hiding from my phone. But I know that if I have to go in and do that, I talk to somebody. I look them in the eye. And let me tell you something. Like over the years in this community, I have made friends with people who have never come to this church, but who I know what's going on in their life. And I've celebrated their marriages. I've celebrated the birth of their children. I've grieved the loss of their loved ones with them at the teller counter. Because Ben just shows up. I've used the app before. I do it on occasion. I'm not averse to that. But it's a practice that I've made that if I have time, actually, no. If I don't have time, I won't. But my default is I always go in. Now, I can't go in everywhere. I can't talk to everybody. I'm finite. But that's a practice that I've made and been committed to to walk through. And I would just suggest to you, find a way to be present with somebody. Just be present. Find a way to get involved in the community where you are a part of something bigger than yourself. As you kind of move through this, it moves from this idea of entering the home or entering the town, showing up. In verse 5, it kind of continues this idea to the second point. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. Okay, what I would suggest to you, very simple practical things for you and I, if we're going to love this city the way that Jesus loved this city, if we're going to love our community the way that Jesus loves this community, if we're going to love the people next to us, the people sitting next to us, the way that Jesus does, 
These are some practical, easy, low-hanging fruit that we can begin to do. First, just show up. Find a way to be present. But number two, speak life whenever you have the opportunity. Jesus said, when you show up in a home and that you come into the home, the first things that you are to speak isn't like, hey, you've got great furniture or where's the restroom? It was a long trip. Speak peace over that household. Speak life into the place that you go. Listen to me, speak life. Our community, and whether I'm talking about Sterling and the outside community or, or speaking to those of you joining us online, wherever you are, your community, it is likely is the same. Our community is full of wagging tongues that speak all kinds of trash about the people around us and the community that we're in. And some of those things are true. Like the problems that we have in our community, those are real. And some of the problems that our community has, many of us are isolated from, and they don't touch our daily lives very much, but they're even real and more deeply entrenched than maybe we're even aware of. But I know this for a fact, whether you're here in this community or you're joining us in a community around the world, that that's not the way that God intends that community to be. And we need to speak for a move of God and not complain about the move of men or darkness in our community. Speak life, speak peace over that place. Any and every opportunity that you have to speak life about the community that you live in, you should speak it because there are too many wagging tongues that are speaking death. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And the second part of the verse says this, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And this is what it says. If you're gonna speak death about your community, you're gonna live that out in your community. You wanna speak life in your community, you will start to live that out in your community. You wanna speak death about your spouse, you wanna speak death about your employment, you wanna speak death about the dreams and the plans and purposes of God in your life, I can almost guarantee you, you will experience death in those things. Speak life. And that's not just like positivity. That's not just being optimistic. That doesn't mean don't acknowledge what is real. Our community has incredible challenges to it. But I know that that's not the way God designed this community to be. That's not the way that he designed people to live. And I'm going to speak life in Jesus' name. And I'm going to see the move of God. I'm going to see the move of his spirit change lives. And he's going to change the vocabulary of the people who see it. They'll begin to speak life. Speak life. Speak well. If you hang out with me for any amount of time, you would be hard-pressed to ever hear me say something negative about another church family in our community. Like, I can say that publicly. It's being recorded and broadcast all over the place because there's not a smidge of fallacy in that. Speak well of others. Look for the best in others. Speak well of this community. And it has a lot of places that it needs Jesus. But you and I are the ones who get to introduce Jesus to those places. And we're literally right here. Let's do this. Speak well. As you continue on in verse 7, it says this, Stay there, eating and drinking whatever you give or whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house, and I would simply say a way for you to love your city is to be present, to speak well, speak life. And then the third one is this, just be consistent. Be consistent. 
Jesus said, hey, when you find the place and you're there, be there. And don't bounce around from place to place. Don't be trying to find and negotiate kind of a better accommodation. Just, just be there. Be consistent. If you've got a favorite restaurant, go on the same day and ask for the same server. Challenge you. You don't have to even change the life that you're living right now to create enough structure in it so that you can make a friend that doesn't come to church, so that you can speak into somebody's life. My wife and I have a common habit like that, and because of that, we have somebody that we know by name who knows our kids and speaks about our kids, and our kids play soccer against one another, and they've never been to church. And we've been able to talk about things going on in their extended family. We've been able to pray for illness in grandparents. Why? Just getting pancakes at the same time, once a week, asking for the same person. I can't be everywhere at once. I can't do for all. I can't know everybody. I can't carry the burden of every need. Like, that's not even my role anyway. It's not your role anyway. Jesus gets to do that. But I can, wherever I'm at, be consistent enough to build enough relationship to say, hey, I see a need that you have, and I know the one who meets needs. His name's Jesus. Just be, be consistent. And I, fi- I find this difficult for two groups of people. Okay, one are the people who are afraid to get started. Okay, so I just say, take a baby step somewhere. But the other is the group of people who are impatient for results. Okay, we're an ag community, at least we should have a cursory knowledge of that to this degree. You know that you don't get to plant and reap fruit on the same day. Are we on the same page here? Okay, so even my friends in urban areas joining us in the big city, I mean, you guys should know that. Did you know that your food grows? <laughs> Just starting there. It does, and it's not quickly. Be, be consistent. Sometimes we are not willing. We are not willing to do the work for a future harvest. Just small things right now. And the last thing in verse 9, it says this, and this is the most challenging, I think. It says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Man, Jesus sent them out on a kind of a bold assignment. This is like more than like practice. This feels more like a dress rehearsal. All right, boys, I'm going to send you out. You're going on your own. I'm not going with you. I want you to show up in person. I want you to speak life where you are. I want you to stay there, and then I want you to see a move of God. All right, so is the move of God coming when you show up? Like, no, you're showing up. Yeah, but is the move of God going to happen, Jesus, when you come and speak? No, you're going to speak. How long should we, like, be there until we see? You're going to be there until you see it. And then come back to me later. You can read the rest of the chapter and they come back and they're freaking out because all of that stuff happened. They went into communities and they did this stuff and they prayed for people and they were delivered from demonic oppression. They were healed physically. There was radical revival and transformation that started happening in these communities and Jesus was taking a time out because I think he needed a break from his disciples and they needed to grow. And the last one is this, be present, speak life, be consistent, but be bold. 
Like be, be bold in taking steps of faith and believing that the power of God is like not something that you just think about on Sunday, but that the move of God is in this world and that he uses you to do that. Be bold. He challenged them to go and to, to pray for the sick and to watch the sick healed. And guess what? They did it and it happened. And you can't believe that it was because they were special if you've read your Bible at all. Like Jesus' followers were often just a bunch of clowns, which is incredibly encouraging for you and I. Like, listen to me, just be bold. If I asked you to raise your hand, and I'm not doing that for this exercise, but if I asked, if I said, how many of you have seen an absolute, dramatic, physical miracle where there was a healing and it was kind of a, a raise of hands, and you were kind of a part of that, the, the statistics of a church family would say that the hands that went up would be very, very, there, there would be very, very few. Like not, like out and out, absolute miracle, not a miracle, and the doctor was a part of it, but like, like Bible miracle. Like the stats would say, suggest that there would be very few hands that were kind of up. But here's what I know, if there was one or a hundred, this is what I know about every one of those hands. If their hand was up, they, if their hand was up, they prayed for the miracle. Like that's what they would all have in common. It wouldn't be their Bible knowledge. It wouldn't be how great or little their faith was. It wouldn't be how great their prayer was. It would be that they prayed. That they, that they just took the step to ask God to do something that only God could do. And sometimes we just, we don't do that. We know it takes a miracle, but it's almost a miracle at times for us to contend for one. Man, just be bold. I was listening to a man speak one time, and, and he was being interviewed about a, a ministry that he had, where it just seemed to be that where he went, miraculous things were kind of happening. And like you and me, when we see God move dramatically in somebody's life, we kind of scratch our head and then we ask him, hey, what's the secret sauce? Like, you know, how, what do you know that I don't know? And this guy was really pragmatic. He was very simple. He said, if you want to see more miracles in your life, you have to start praying for miracles. If you want to see more people healed, then you got to start praying for the sick. If you want to see people saved, if you want to see people come to Jesus, then you got to start sharing your faith. Like, it, 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 we overcomplicate it. Just be bold. Just be bold this week. You see somebody and they're hopeless, and you say, hey, you seem to be hopeless. Yeah, I don't really feel like I have any hope. Man, I've been there. I don't know if this is going to help you very much. It'll depend on how you respond, but I found hope in Jesus. Would you like to hear more of that? Okay. The worst thing that they can do is tell you no, right? Are you all still okay? <laughs> like, the, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it doesn't end. It doesn't end your faith. It doesn't diminish you. Like, God's like, oh, you blew your chance. Like, none of that's true. Jesus always invited people. And then based on their response was their experience with him. But he never walked away thinking, well, I'm less of a Jesus. And you shouldn't either. Like, be present. Find a way this week to interact with somebody that you otherwise wouldn't. Face to face, eye to eye. Humanize them. 
and not as a project, not to get a result, but to have a heart for the city. Speak life. Oh man, this is going on in our town. That's true. But I just watched Jesus do this in this person's life. Oh man, it seems like the world's like kind of going crazy. That's true. But more people are hungry now for an answer than they ever were. Like, you can always speak life if you'll choose to see it through Jesus' lens. Be consistent. Be consistent. Find one simple thing to do and just start doing it. And then the last one, be bold. Be bold. Be led by the Spirit of God into the things of God. Church family, if you stand, worship team, if you would come forward. Lord, right now as we close... I pray that you would quiet our hearts and quiet our minds to just hear from you in this moment. Lord, it would be a mistake for us to just go out with a to-do list and to begin to do that in our own strength. It would be a mistake for us to go out with this, these four suggestions and to just kind of put them into practice haphazardly. Lord, before we can really practice this, before we can really love our city, we have to have your heart for it. Lord, for our community, for our workplace, for our school, for our team, for our own families. Lord, we have to have your your heart for it first. If we don't start with your heart, then this list of suggestions could be just rote religious exercise. God, it could be something that we do to make ourselves feel good, but there's no actual life in it and it bears no fruit in the kingdom of God. And so before we contend to be present, before we determine in our life to just speak in a positive way, Lord, before we choose to go out on our own strength and zealousness to be religiously bold, we ask you for your heart. Jesus, give us your heart for this community. And there are things in it that are broken. There's a dark underbelly and torrid currents in our community that we're aware of. But Lord, that's not how you designed this community to be. That's not your intent. That's misaligned with the plans and purposes, the power and the move of God. And so we would start with a heart that sees that need and a heart that breaks with compassion for it. Jesus, when you were entering into Jerusalem on your way to the cross, as you were entering into Jerusalem right before that triumphant entry, Lord, as you were entering into Jerusalem to give your life for us, you paused and you cried out in compassion over that place. You expressed a desire to gather those, to gather those who are part of that community and to care for them and to to love them. Lord, you lamented the brokenness in that community and the distance from you. And God, we need that heart first. Would you give us that heart, Jesus? 
the heart that you express for Jerusalem, that we would express that for our Jerusalem, for the city that we live in, the community that we live in, the county, the state, the country. Jesus, we ask for your heart. And then from that heart, move us to be present. From that heart, move us to speak life. From that heart, let us determine to be consistent and to work for a future harvest that we may never see with our own eyes. And from that heart, may we be led by your spirit to demonstrate your great power. And for each person here today, give us one simple step to take this week to begin to practically love our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Three action steps for you this week. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, you can grab a picture of these. Number one is I would encourage you to begin your week asking the Lord to give you his love for your community. Number two, be personally present within your community somewhere, somehow, in something this week. And then number three, look for ways to get involved and to demonstrate the love and the grace of Jesus as a result of that.